All right. It's Tuesday, everybody. Uh, a little more subdued, Maria. It's Tuesday, and this is the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, Maria. Good job. <laughs> we'll keep working on it. No, I love it. I love it. Okay. So natural. Uh, this is Annika in Columbia. And Maria in Happy Valley. And we are here to talk about Bellingham, the city of subdued whatever we want to talk about. We want to get to know you, Bellingham. Both the well-known. And not so well-known. We are being joined by our precious quarantine co-hosts. My glorious canine companion, Romy. And my fabulous feline friend, Burrito. Now, Burrito, Annika, I don't know about you, but he has been really excited to join in on all my Zoom meetings. I've had had several meetings with family, friends, and coworkers this week, and he always finds his way into the frame. (sighs) (laughs) Now, I don't know if it's just because he loves attention or because he hates it when I pay attention to anything else that's not him. But I've been I've been really impressed with his uh, his silver screen debut and how cute he is when he meows into my webcam. Oh, (laughs) it's so cute. I was on like a three hour zoom call with like all of my extended family on on Saturday night and he just sat there through the whole thing still as a statue but with a very commanding presence (laughs) (laughs) he he enjoyed being introduced to my sister's cat and my cousin's cat through the webcam Uh, that's amazing did did he notice the cat in the webcam it's hard to know what cats see and don't see. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. Seemed, that was a dumb question. He seemed interested in, in what was going on. Okay, yeah. cool. Romy also has joined in on my Zoom meetings, but not because he's curious, but because I want to show off my dog. Mm-hmm. And so I pick him up and I just hold him and he does that thing where he just like, he just sits there and stares blankly because he's not like he doesn't do anything exciting. And that's what makes him so funny is that when I whenever I hold him and show him to the people in the Zoom meeting, he looks like a wax statue Aww. and people love that. <laughs> and what's even better is that uh, because he has the um, he he got a scratch on his eye. So he has a corneal ulcer. He has to take some eye drops, but he, he's in the cone of shame. And so he just looks real pitiful and real adorable. So it's it's yes. been great. He is in the cone. I did see that picture. Heal up yeah. soon, Romy. <laughs> He'll be back out there, yeah, so. you know, snuggling Chasing up to the cars. Ladies. Chasing yeah, cars yeah. eventually. <laughs> so, um, Annika, do we have a pet family this week? We do not have a pet family. Listeners, please send us your pets. It's like the only thing keeping us going. We would yeah. love to see you and your pet families. Yeah, please. Just send them to me on Instagram. Tag us in it. And we would we would love to highlight it and share it on our feed. So It's almost a guarantee that you'll be featured. Because right now <laughs> we have zero. It's a it's a one hundred percent guarantee. As long as it is a family of pet, mostly pets, mm-hmm. and some humans, we will, or even one pet, we'll yeah. take we'll take any. Um, probably not your significant other that you call your pet on a leash, though. We don't really want those. Those aren't. <laughs> I mean, but you know what, though, if nobody else <laughs> yeah. gives us any pet families, we we might have to. So, yeah, you know, get desperate. It, you can try. And, you know, if it gets to that point, we'll we'll post if, if pictures. Of if it's a really cute, human pet, then, you know, <laughs> you got to feature the cute. Ones. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Maria, what is the uh, Bellingham hot goss this week? So, Annika, since you asked, the news in Bellingham is actually that Bellingham has been in the news a lot recently. Tell me more. So, I'm sure you've heard that recently there was a doctor from our local Peace Health Peace Health Hospital, uh, St. Joseph, who was fired for being a whistleblower. He was trying to get Peace Health to take some more serious precautions um, towards the the earlier part of this crisis. And when they refused and he went to the media, they let him go. These uh, accusations that he was making against the hospital were confirmed by several other anonymous sources. And so this is like not a shining moment for our city and our local hospital in this time of crisis. Yeah. And people heard about this story all over the country. Yes. So here we are, like you said, not a shining moment. Not a shining moment. As a citizen of Watkins County, you know, if something happens to me, I'm going to end up in a hospital. It's going to be that hospital. And it just does not inspire a whole lot of confidence. No, no. Not, not at all. And it's, it's so sad for our community that we have one less talented physician in this time of crisis. Our county now has over 100 cases. When he like, he's been a doctor for a while and he was even a doctor in the, um, after 9-11, correct? In New York? Uh, yeah, I think that's the case. He did some, some work there. So he really knows a lot and has a lot of experience. <sighs> it's a, this is an important hospital in the area as well. Um, I did some reading that said it's, the level two trauma center north of Everett. So it's not just serving, you know, Bellingham and uh, more local communities, but also for bigger emergencies, it has a a wider net that it casts. So it's it's an important, important place here up in the north. Awesome. I know that, you know, um, it, it has been all over the news lately that, our story of a doctor being fired for for being a whistleblower or for not um, agreeing with with practices um, it's not it's not a a story that's just happening at one time this this is happening with with people all over the country um, as supplies kind of become scarce and as we have to make some more triage type decisions for for prioritizing things. Um, and so it would be great to get a, a local person's perspective on, um, on how the, the lack of supplies and balancing that with, with best practices, because there are some tough choices that have to be made. And I, I can't really comment on it as somebody that doesn't know anything about medicine, but I'd love to hear from somebody that does know about medicine that works in our community so if that's you reach out to us we would love to interview you so you were saying though that bellingham has been quite a bit on the news what what else what does that look like (laughs) yeah Yeah. so not only did uh the seattle times write that story that got circulated nationally um edward snowden tweeted about that story. What? I know even Edward Snowden is noticing us although not quite because he said it was a Seattle doctor and I don't know <sighs> if that is because the Seattle Times wrote about it or because people think that Bellingham is a suburb of Seattle um no nope. I don't if any Seattleites are listening out there we do not consider ourselves a suburb of Seattle we are two whole counties away thank you even though we might have some commuters and remote workers that do live here a lot of expats a lot of seattle expats yes (laughs) um bellingham was also featured in a new york times article about cases per capita uh and it was on i don't know if it was a top 15 list of cases per capita in the united states but it was something 
to that effect. Um, and the weird thing was with that, they gave out the numbers for Whatcom County, but cited them as Bellingham numbers. So I just thought that was a really huh. weird way to report it. It kind of, um, it's a little bit misleading because, you know, we've, we're not just Bellingham here in Whatcom County. We've got all those people out, people out by Mount Baker in Maple Falls and Acme, Linden, Blaine, Ferndale. We see, we know that you guys have cases too. So we're not going to take all the credit. Not that we want it exactly. <laughs> um, the same article. Not in this case, no. <laughs> the same New York Times article listed Mount Vernon and Anacortes as one city. Like in a really bizarre way. That's just not the case at all. It was like uh, Mount Vernon Anacortes city in Washington. Like, hmm. What? That's a way to fudge that. <laughs> just like it would have been so easy to just say Whatcom County and Skagit County. Um, but I guess I don't I really just don't understand yeah. that choice. Uh, I always think it's funny when um because I was listening to it was a true crime podcast mm -hmm. and they were talking about uh, Kevin Bianchi mm -hmm. and they were trying to give kind of like a, a backstory on what the town of Bellingham look what what the town of Bellingham was and I get that it was quite a few years ago but they were so off like and it was just interesting because it's like okay maybe if Maybe if you are reporting a story from L.A. or New York and you're trying to focus on Bellingham, it's like, I don't know if maybe you don't know what to look for or what to focus on. But I feel like it's pretty easy to do, like, even a Google Maps or, like, the Google search on what county it's in. or Collaborate maybe with some local reporters. We've got, you know... The Bellingham Herald. Um, you could also reach out to the reporters at their Western Front or the Skagit Valley Herald. You know, those people are working hard, and I'm mm -hmm. sure that they would love to do some collaborating with a larger paper. Uh, speaking of, another close by story was picked up from the LA Times, and that one is about Skagit County um, and their mass infection that happened at a church choir practice. Now, this one has been posted a lot because it's it's uh, people are saying it's could be evidence of the coronavirus being an airborne uh, uh, like infection. So not just like spittle and skin, but actually floating through the air. Um, so that's why hmm. in the scientific community, it's kind of been an interesting case study and has, you know, led to some panicking among people on Twitter. The thing about huh. that article was, you know, in the LA Times, they said that uh, at that point, there had been no confirmed cases in Skagit County. But actually, on the day that that choir practice happened, there was, in fact, the first case confirmed in Skagit County. So really, yeah, oh. I know, just, um, just some things that they would know if they talked to any local expert as I have yeah <laughs> yes um so you know keep out keep your eye out for Bellingham and surrounding communities in the news because turns out we're going to be there and uh you know hamsters in these next few months let's try to get in the news for something really good <laughs> Because I think that would raise all of our spirits up a little bit. But that's my hot takes on the hot topics for now. And I think it's about time we get to our interview. All right. So today we have two very special guests, Colby Labrie and Ren Urbekite. Did I pronounce that right? Good job. Good job. Uh, uh, Colby spelled it phonetically for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, they are the co-owners and operators of the Good Time Girls Historical Tours. How are you guys doing on this fine Tuesday? Doing well. Um. <laughs> well as could be. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a pretty common answer. <laughs> yeah. Since this is a Bellingham podcast, what brought you to Bellingham? Well, I I'm start with Colby. Yeah, I was born and uh, raised here. <laughs> so <Okay. laughs> that's what brought me here. I think I'm a third generation Whatcom County awesome. um, person. So I have a kind of a multi-generational perspective on our local history. I did leave for a while in my young adult years and um, came back here because this is the best place in the world. Awesome. <laughs> How about you, Ren? Um, I moved here in 2007 um, from Seattle and I was there for about six years um, before I got pregnant and started a family and we moved up here for just the cheaper cost of living and a slightly smaller sort of community. Awesome. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting talking to people because we hear we've heard quite a few perspectives of what bring people to Bellingham. There's some that are like, I grew up here, I left, it's the best place in the world, so I came back. And then there's um that we talked to somebody who is like, Yeah, I've I grew up in Seattle and you know I've always thought it was a great place and so when it made sense we made it our move up to Bellingham and then we also spoke with somebody who um like took a trip out here and then decided that this this was the best place yeah (laughs) Yeah. and so it's awesome to hear that from so many different people so uh so because you guys have lived in Bellingham for quite a while I was wondering if you had any Bellingham stories, maybe something interesting or amusing that contains a well-known person, place, or thing. <laughs> what was the story you told me I should tell, Ren? Oh, well, I told Colby she should tell a story about one of her one of her tours. We often have wacky things happen on our tours, which we sometimes block out <laughs> for better or worse. But Colby has a great story about a pole dancer in the park <laughs> in one of her tours. Oh, only I'm do tell. Uh, well, so um, a couple years back, we developed a tour based in and around uh, the Maritime Heritage Park. Um, so just right on Holly Street down below the Wacom Museum um, with the big amphitheater there. And because Wacom Creek is sort of the, we call it the birth canal of Bellingham, uh, kind of is what brought some of the original settlers to the area and sort of an important resource. So we did a, we developed a field trip tour for our middle schoolers um, based on their curriculum. That was kind of like the ABCs of early Bellingham history, a little tour around the Creek there. But if anyone who's familiar with that park knows there's often, there's a, you know, there can be a lot of homeless people. Um, You just never know what you're going to run into which is the case with a lot of our downtown tours um, in particular. But that park uh, is definitely, it's a beautiful park, but it's, it's got its fair share of wildlife. And on one particular uh, <laughs> middle school tour, here I have all these like, you know, 12 year olds and their teachers and their um, chaperones. And behind me, I, I see all the kids kind of laughing and I'm rambling on about something historical. And there's a woman who has literally set up in the middle of the park, a portable pole and she's doing pole dance, pole exercise. I don't know what the politically correct term is for it these days, but you know, you have to be very athletic and it's pretty impressive, but she, she was wearing very, wearing very little and doing pole dancing in the middle of the park. Oh, no, in the middle of your middle school tour. Yeah. <laughs> Bad timing. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, and over here, we have someone exercising. <laughs> yeah. that, I was like, oh, man, is- these kids are going to remember this. And that was the one thing everyone remembered, of course, from that tour. Nothing I said, but the pull down. <laughs> that, is, that is so Bellingham. I knew this question would pay off. <laughs> yes Cha-ching. good job maria <laughs> so they, they got an education in many ways <laughs> oh that's amazing they thought the teachers uh, were pretty chill and we just were like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I would have, I, I, I would have loved that. So it's very uh, I just thought, what a place. And that they even make a thing that's like a portable pole that you can set up in the middle of a park. That kind of blows yeah, my mind. They do. I, I, uh, a friend and I, we go to dance classes at Unique Technique Dance, yes. and they're the, they're they have the uh, provocateurs, yeah, I know and they do like that. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and but they have they have this massive portable pole. Yes. So I wonder if it was maybe it was the same one pole. of them. <laughs> <laughs> Went full circle. Maybe, well, it was amazing. Maybe Unique Technique. Maybe yeah. Unique Technique should do uh, middle school. Yes. Tours. and to our left we have (laughs) amazing (laughs) colby do you have any what was that uh do you have a good bellingham story that was my story that was colby (laughs) sorry no whoops (laughs) the voice of them just all blending together (laughs) <laughs> Ren Ren do I have any good stories let's see um I just thought of one I think one of my favorite tour stories is um giving our spooky tours in October they're called the gore and lore tours and it is by far our most popular and busy season um and a couple of years ago a couple of seasons ago I was, I was telling ghost stories um along the tour and I got to our last stop, which is um, just outside the Spark Museum. And there's some, that place is apparently very haunted. And there's a creepy story about a man who shot himself there. And I was getting ready to tell this story. And I'm getting all into it and being really spooky. And I have this group of 30 people. And again, you know, they're standing in, in front of me. And behind me, I have no idea what's going on. But everybody in my group, their eyes get like, huge <laughs> and they're all like gasping and looking terrified and I'm like oh I'm doing such a great job <laughs> and, then, and they're all they point behind me and I look behind and the spark museum is closed at this point so it's pitch black in there and I look behind me it takes me a second to focus but there's this man in all black with a black like beanie on and his hood up on his black hoodie and he's just standing there in the doorway like staring at all of us. Oh, I've no. had a heart attack. I think I pissed oh, no. myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. That's big um, though. It was good. He was just doing some work there. He was a contractor. <laughs> <laughs> was working there. Every night. He just wanted to get out of the building and there were 30 people blocking his way. <laughs> oh that's funny. <laughs> Tell us about yourself, um, Colby, if you want to go first, give us your elevator pitch. Sure. Um, so the Good Time Girls, uh, we do guided walking tours of Bellingham, Washington, as well as other types of historical edutainment, as we like to call it. Um, I started with the Good Time Girls as a guide back in 2012. Um, yeah awesome how about you Ren um yeah so I've been with the good time girls I don't even I think I lost count of when I started as a guide Colby (laughs) 2015 yeah somewhere in there that sounds right um and I was a I was a groupie um (laughs) pretty much follow these guys around um going to all of their events and on all of their tours and eventually um they asked me to volunteer and then to be a guide, and I've uh, the dream come true. <laughs> awesome. Uh, how did uh, the good Good Time Girls begin? Like, what's the what's the origin story of the Good Time Girls? You want to sure. take it, Colby? Um, so, uh, our, the tours were started by our. We call them the founding mothers, um, Sarah Holodnik and Marissa McGrath, who, um, if Marissa McGrath, I think is my neighbor. Okay. Yes. She's one of the OG (laughs) good time girls. Um, Oh, amazing. Yeah. So, and they, I believe were somewhat inspired by the book, the brothels of Bellingham, which is written by a local dentist. Uh, I love that. The dentist, Curtis Smith. 
Um, and just wrote this little cute book about the history of the brothels of Bellingham. And um, basically is sort of this mind blowing realization that the town of Bellingham was kind of literally built on the backs of women on their backs. Um, <laughs> or more specifically with the funds um, the city collected from licensing a red light district that was legal um, during the 1890s and early 1900s. So that was kind of like, holy crow, like that, that's, that's real. And there's just like a lot of history that you don't hear commonly, you know, you don't get it maybe at the museum or in your school curriculum um, that they found really interesting. And they started doing what they called the Sin and Gin tours. And those tours kind of talk a lot about um, the red light district era and the sort of rise and fall of that whole um system and then uh also would culminate at the end with a drink at a local establishment so the sin and the gin and i kept seeing ads for these tours and i never went on one that first season and i think i put it off and i finally went on like the very last gore and lore tour that they did (laughs) Mm -hmm. so then they did a little fun like victorian spooky tour in the fall and uh, my husband and I went on that as a date and I was like, this is great because they just were funny and it was approach to history that I, I love. So um, when they put out a call for guides, I was like, yes, please sign me up. So <laughs> That's cool. great. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I came out of a, a background of I got a degree in anthropology from Western Oh, quite a while ago and did a lot of work in like historic preservation. And um, so I'm a big history nerd and really love local history. And I, but I just like, I like an approach that's funny and fun and entertaining as well as, um, you know, telling stories that maybe don't always get told. Love it. Very cool. Um, What kind of, what kind of tours do you all offer? offer Randy you want to do that because I've heard Gore and Lore and yeah so Gore and Lore is our October tour and then um, before that though we get started um late spring on our sin and gin tours just like Colby was just mentioning um so those are of the red light district in um downtown and then the red light district that existed in Fairhaven they're two very different um histories um so uh, we separate those and do one of each. Um, and then we try and sprinkle in neighborhood tours as well. So um, Colby and I, when we took over the business, we kind of incorporated the Belling history side of, of Good Time Girls. So that is a, a family-friendly, kind of all ages, um, less of the cursing, which we're so <laughs> fond of. <laughs> we still keep the jokes and the sass and, and the delivery. Um, but yeah, we just make it a little more family friendly. So we've done um, Columbia tours, um, which have been a huge hit of the Columbia neighborhood. We do the Whatcom Creek tours, um, which again are like Bellingham 101. So we highly suggest people go on those if you're interested in the history of Bellingham. And then we incorporated a State Street tour last year too. So kind of that Seahome neighborhood um, history, which is really fun. Yeah, so we've got it all. And then Colby has been workshopping and working on this cemetery tour that we're someday <laughs> we're going to get out there in the real world and we're going to give it. Yeah. We're always yeah. coming up with new tour ideas. Um, and she, I just wanted to mention, I, I'm sure a lot of people already know, but um, Bellingham did originally, there were four towns around Bellingham Bay that included Fairhaven, which is now our South side, little cute historic shopping district and Seahome was sort of along where State Street is today. And there was Whatcom around Whatcom Creek. And there was also a little town of Bellingham slash Unionville, um, which is sort of where the uh, Chrysalis Inn and Taylor Dock are in that area. And it kind of blended in with Fairhaven. But hmm. so they all have their own little histories that roll into one Very in cool. Bellingham when they all unified by 1903. <laughs> Is, is there like a history scene in Bellingham? <laughs> like, is there a lot of, I don't know if that's, I'll, I'll just ask it that way and I'll let you answer. And it, 
ask more questions if you need, but I don't know if that's a complete question. Yes. I'm, I'm a, I'm like, I'm a Gen Xer and I'm like sort of straddling this world of, um, I'm on like the historic preservation commission now, although we haven't done very much since I joined. Um, and just took over or volunteered to take over with Dean Kahn editing the Whatcom County Historical Society Journal. So um, there's, there's, I want to say there's, there is a history scene and there's multiple history scenes. Um, They tend to um, be on the older side, the retired side of things. And I think one of our missions has been kind of to try to bring in fresh blood um, and get younger people more involved and excited about history. Um, there's a whole Fairhaven world unto itself. Um, the Fairhaven historical group is a, they have their own sort of scene over there. So there's some crossover. Yeah. But yeah, we want to, we want to make it fun and accessible to the youth. <laughs> So I kind of have a question. I used to live in York and it is called like historic York neighborhood, but I never really found that there's anything like particularly interesting or historic looking in it. Uh, Do you have any information on that? Are you from the East by chance? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Bellingham, it, we're in the fourth corner of the U.S., so we're a relatively young in terms of, like, white colonial settler history. Um, so, yeah, it was, there's some houses in that neighborhood that date from the late 1880s, which is about as old as it gets here in Bellingham, other than the picket house and the brick building on E Street which date from the 1850s. So that's all pretty young in terms of historic architecture or building goes. But um, there was a very strong group in that neighborhood who were really into the history of it. I'll just say that. I worked on the um, survey of that neighborhood uh, in 2000, I want to say eight or nine in there. I was pregnant. <laughs> so that got a historic designation as part of that city grant. It was like the Preserve America project or something. But yeah, York is pretty cool. There, it's named for a guy who helped finance it. Um, the store, that little area is old. It was known as um, part of York neighborhood up there where the freeway kind of cut through and bisected it was called Snooze Hill. It was known for being um, a Scandinavian neighborhood. So, and they were known for liking snus, which is like a form of tobacco. Hmm. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> Very cool. So there you go. That's what I know about that. Well, that's, that's interesting to me. Now I, now that little like part of my brain that always wondered what was special about it is a bit more filled in. <laughs> Yeah, my my great grandma's house was up there on Iron Street, but it it was removed when they put the um, freeway through, so it's not there anymore. Do you guys have a <laughs> favorite part of Bellingham history, like a favorite fact or something? Oh man, Ren, do you have one? A favorite fact? <laughs> oh, let's think about that. Mm. Well, I, I think my favorite, I my go-to is always the Bellingham Towers building. That's the tall building that's across from Mount Baker Theater. Um, and that building ha- used to have a giant neon sign that had the letters um, vertically spelling Bellingham. And they were bright red and it was super tall. It just looks so impressive and crazy. And I guess... It used to, in the wind, in windstorms, it would, like, creak and moan this <laughs> giant sign. It had to be, like, so terrifyingly awesome. <laughs> I'm kind of obsessed with it. I have a photograph of it on my living room wall. So, um, so I, I love true crime. Oh. And most lovers of true crime have that one story that got them really interested in true crime. Do you have one for history? Oh. And if so, what is it? 
mm-hmm. just curious if there's one like story, even if, even if it doesn't have anything to do with Bellingham, it could be like any historical story where the first time you heard it, you were like, oh, wait, this could be, this is actually really interesting. Uh, yeah, I think honestly, um, gosh, that might've been it. Um, when I was first taking classes in college, I took a women's history class and, um, they read, um, we read, gosh, what is it called? Colby, the midwife. Um, Ina Gaskin. (laughs) Yeah. Ina Gaskin. And she is the midwife in like the, you know, this role. Yeah. Um, what's the name of that book? Sorry, it's not really put together. I wasn't expecting that question. What is that? <laughs> anyway, I think that really got me interested in, in women's history and how, you know, just um, how, I guess that made me acutely aware of how women's roles really got written out of history um, and how I'd never learned anything about that in my entire life until I was, you know, 19 or 20 years old, how, how big of a role women actually played and and yeah, I think that kind of set me on my way to history nerddom. I was always a real big history nerd, but you know, that feminist aspect really got me. And especially, you know, now my role with the Good Time Girls, I think that really kind of led into where I am now. Awesome. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. Like, uh, I really got more into history after I became a mom. <laughs> so I was a single mom in my early 20s and just raising kids and, um, you know, they ask a lot of questions and you get a lot of homework assignments about history. And I'd always, I'd been an anthropology student during that time as well. And so I was already kind of just inclined towards it, but that led me to local history and to kind of think about how the hell did I end up here? And what are we all doing here? And <laughs> um, yeah, and just, yeah, exactly. There's so much that draws us to the Good Time Girls, I think is the stories of women that have been left out of history in a lot of ways. Um, and that's a big focus for us. Awesome. Um, which bring that actually segues into my next question, which is uh, what are some of the philosophies that the good time girls hold that make it such a valuable lesson and a Part valuable uh, yeah. tool to, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, our, our whole mission is just make um, history look fun and accessible. And um, we focus particularly on, I, I would say, like voices from the margins or stories of people that maybe have been left out. Um, Ren, <laughs> help me out. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely the marginalized um, folks throughout history, but also um, I think one of my, uh, the things that I try and focus on the most is, is contextualizing history for people. Um, oftentimes, you, you know, you hear about prostitution or, you know, we're the working girl and things like that. And it's really, really hard to um, think about that in our society because it's changed so much. So one of my favorite things to do is kind of put that in perspective and what they were actually living like. And comparisons to our time now um, versus how they were living I think makes a big impact on people so that would be one of the yeah I love I love that we can get people out and um, we also have a big commitment to supporting other local businesses and um, we just are totally committed to our community and um, we like people get out and see things that they may walk past every day and see it in a new way and um, just thinking about the past and how it shapes or where we are today and maybe how that can help us going forward. Uh, Next subject, COVID-19, how is that impacting your life and your work? Uh, Ren, you want to go first or? Um, Yeah, I guess. I think, you know, like everybody, we're, uh, you know, it's unprecedented and uh, it's hard to maneuver through and the unknown has been really hard. So, you know, I have two kids, Colby has um, three kids. And so we are um, (laughs) homeschooling moms now uh, as well as business owners. And I work at Mount Baker theater as well. So um, (laughs) we are really, although we're staying home, 
I guess I'll speak for myself, although I'm staying home and feeling a little isolated, I'm still, you know, I've still got all of these hats um, that I'm, I'm trying to wear. So it's a really interesting um, time. Yeah, I actually <laughs> yeah. have less time um, to work now because I'm now a teacher and a coordinator of so many people and uh, <laughs> yeah. fun. But yeah, for the good time girls, it's just everything's so up in the air. I mean, obviously, we've had a lot of things canceled or postponed. And um, I mean, our tours are outside, but they are groups of people congregating. So that's not happening for a while. And we don't know when it will be okay to have it happen again. So it's hard to know what to plan for. So we're just trying to come up with alternative, um, you know, contingency plans and different things we might be able to do now we're both teachers and so you're you're doing yeah yes you're we, doing amazing i want you to know that teachers. <laughs> i tell my parents that all i i tell all my kids parents that i'm like don't be hard on yourself you're doing better than no ah, you're doing great don't worry i'm just like no I'm, I'm not a teacher we're doing a lot of art <laughs> yeah that's great I love it. Uh, what have you learned about our community through this time? During the COVID time? Um, yeah. Yep. Gosh, I mean, there's nothing like a pandemic to kind of bring everybody together and <laughs> level the playing field. Uh, but um, it, it really brings into focus, I think, what's important and, um, you know, uh, all these little local businesses that we love so much. Um, I feel like are a huge part of what makes Bellingham Bellingham and just really hoping that we can all weather this and that it's not going to just, you know, take all out, all out, all these little businesses that we love. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Um, I'd say what working at Mount Baker theater, I've gotten a real, um, real up close view of how much our community values the arts. Um, and uh, that has been really lovely to see. I mean, we've been canceling shows right and left, but we still have people wanting to donate tickets and expressing their concern for us. And, um, and then also a big organization sprouting up to try and keep all of the arts organiz organizations together and um, continuing to put out um, content and information to, you know, help people through this time. So I think for me, more than anything, what I value about Bellingham is that creativity. Um, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for that. And so uh, it's really highlighted that for me, which is nice. As silver yeah, that's huge. Yeah. And yeah, I, I feel like just looking at history too, um, I realized right away, like, Oh yeah, during the 1918, you know, Spanish influenza, as it was called, the community came together. It was very similar. Like the, you know, powers that be were all willy-nilly and trying to do the best they could, but it, it was very scattered, and it really took a community ground-up approach to kind of like get things done. You know, <laughs> like people are making masks. And it's ridiculous, but um, but it's also great. Uh, because I love our community's willingness to step up and just get to work and take care of each other. Yeah. What can uh, what can other community members do to support you at this time? Yeah, the good time um, girls. Well, it's interesting because we've been asked in the past about Patreon, which I had never really explored. But when someone asked about it recently, I was like, oh, why not? So. We set up a Patreon, which I'm still new to it, but it's a kind of a way of supporting creative work where you can pledge a, an amount and um, that'll help help us out and keep us um, creating. We do a lot of social media tidbits of history and fun things. I'm trying to keep that rolling out, to give some people other things on their newsfeed besides all COVID all the time, mm -hmm. <laughs> just trying to mm -hmm. kind of keep some fun mm -hmm. stuff going on in terms of social media content. And I'd like to be able to put together some maybe video tours or um, things along that line. So 
anything, you know, if people are willing and able, it's there. So we're patreon.com Belling History. Um, or just follow us on social media. That's all free and good. And we're on Facebook um, slash Good Time Girls Bellingham. We're on Instagram slash Good Time Girls Tours. And Twitter, Good Time Girls Walk. Um, that we have a web page, which is bellinghistory.com, where we have a blog, a mailing list. And um, we'd love to just see people. We, we, we do have um, gift certificates for whenever we're, we can all safely tour again. That's always an option. And um, yeah, we just, we love everybody and we want everyone to stay safe okay. and we want to see you when we can all get outside and be together. <laughs> Agreed. Yes. Awesome. And we want to support local yes. art. So we will, uh, we can share your Patreon on our social sure, media yes. page. Is that Thank okay? You. Okay. So, I also want to awesome. plug the Whatcom County Historical Society journal, guys, because I'm now helping edit it and not something a lot of people know about, but it's been going on for good 10 plus years. And um, it doesn't have to be academic writing. It's just a local history journal for any kind of interesting history story. So while people have this time, if you want to write a story, just get a hold of me. <laughs> get a hold of us. That sounds like a great opportunity awesome. for some view, uh, aspiring writers out there. Yes. Write right on your resume. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, our last question for this segment is if you have any final words or thoughts for any folks out there listening at home, but together. Oh, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Are you motivated? Um, oh, geez. What do I got here? Let's see. Final thoughts. Um, no, I, well, I guess I, I would be- say, um that you know we've as a community bellingham has lived through you know pandemics before um it's been a good hundred years but we'll get through it we'll come out the other side um and we'll hopefully be better and stronger for it and uh and hold on to what you appreciate now and what you miss now and remember that when we come out the other side and support those endeavors and let's try to make our community even better that's Definitely. my words that's a great final message awesome. yeah yeah thank you uh ditto. <laughs> well thank you both so much You're for meeting welcome. with us welcome. it was so lovely so i know the final thing we want to do before you go is our last segment local treasures in this segment we do a round table sharing of something we ate drank or otherwise consumed recently that fills us with local pride uh what's your pick ren whoa whoa (laughs) (laughs) oh uh, okay let's see something i ate drank or consumed that filled me with local pride so yep is that right that's right okay all right um most recently i guess i consumed a boundary bay ipa that was made in collaboration with the Roller Betties. Cool. And it has a lovely Fun. little label on it and um, made me feel really cozy and part of our community, even though I've been inside for six days straight. <laughs> uh, what about you, Colby? Any local treasures? Um, I'm thinking. Um, I did just pick up some. Hold on. I got to read the label. Magic spray, Dr. Sparkle's magic spray from my friend Erica at Glitter Life. Um, <laughs> so she's been an awesome local treasure who normally does karaoke and fun times. And so she's been making fun, sparkly um, sanitizer. So I'm trying to support all my friends, <laughs> local businesses. And I'm pretty into this. Um, environmentally fr- friendly glitter infused uh, lemon rose magic spray for sanitization purposes because you can always be sparkly while you're sanitary for sure I mean like <laughs> at, 
Even if you're <laughs> home by yourself, it's important to look good for yourself. Does she have That's a right. link to her business that we could post on our um, social media? So it's Glitter Life, except glitter is spelled with a number three instead of an E, and life is spelled with a Y. So I'm not sure okay. what her... That's why I'm just reading off the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and also I'll just put in nothing says um, Bellingham community like sparkly hand sanitizer. Right. So, that? Oh. I like that being sparkly and sanitized are not <laughs> mutually exclusive. I think that's great. What are you going to do with all those of glitter anyway? <laughs> I amazing. How about you, Annika? What's your local treasure this week? So my local treasure, I went to so I had a friend who turned 30 this weekend and she was really bummed because she she was we were gonna go to Victoria. Mm -hmm. True. Actually Maria was gonna go with us. We were gonna go to Victoria mm -hmm. this weekend, this coming week. And uh so she was super bummed. So I talked to her and her, I talked to her husband and we threw her a surprise uh, Zoom birthday party with like 15 other people. And I went and got uh, yeah. Big Mamas to <laughs> go for myself and for her and her husband. And I hung it on her uh, mailbox and we had a lot of fun and the big mama hit the, I also got food from jalapenos as well but which was also amazing but the just the idea of getting to enjoy something little like a big mama from my dining room table while Laura got to enjoy hers was it was super fun and we ended up being up till like 2 a.m and we were all really hung over the next day and it was bad but but it was fun too so that yeah, is my I've been local telling treasure about the big mamas to go because that's a that's a oh. bellingham staple right there and where would we be with our big mamas yeah it's true yeah all right so <laughs> coming up at the caboose uh my pick this week is a pizza I picked up from the Goat Mountain pop-up at Black Sheep. I have mm. been so sad ever since Goat Mountain decided it wanted to switch directions and not have a, a storefront anymore. So when I saw on Instagram that they were like doing an exclusive deal for like 25 people to get pizza, I was all over it. And they even had my favorite, the caramelized Stilton and Walnut. I think they're doing it once a week. So any listeners out there, I would advise you to check up on the Black Sheep Instagram to see if their Goat Mountain pop-up is up. You, um, I hope that next time if, uh, if Goat Mountain is listening, they put their mushroom pizza on the menu because that's my favorite one. So <laughs> that is my local treasure for this week. Mm. <laughs> That is amazing, Maria. I love, <laughs> yeah. I, I agree about the okay. mushrooms. Just All right. Awesome. Well, I think that about brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you so much, Kobe and Ren. And stay healthy, Bellingham. Please stay A little healthy. more subdued, Maria. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Cut. All right. Mm -hmm.